Welcome to the Train Like a King podcast, dedicated to all things paddling, designed to help paddlers of all levels get motivated to get out on the water. Tune in, grab your paddle, and let's train like a king. Welcome back to another Train Like a King podcast episode. I think I'm going to name this episode the Tahiti Domino Effect. In the previous episode, I talked about winning my first Premier Men New Zealand 250-meter title. And after that win, and I'm pretty sure because of that win, I was invited to compete in a race in Tahiti called the Tahiti Nui. I was invited by Kingy Gilbert, who put together... um, a team of Kiwis, I think there was 12 to 13 of us in total of young and old, experienced, the best, some of the best paddlers that we had here um, in New Zealand that were available. And we went over to compete in this race, Tahiti Nui. And it was, it was an amazing race. Three-day race around the island of Tahiti, you know, three legs. Um, covering, I think, I want to say 160 kilometers over the three days. So it was by far the biggest, the most prestigious race I'd ever done up until that point. And yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, although I would say we did get handed to by the Tahitians. Um, we arrived, I don't know, I want to say in the middle of the pack, but maybe towards the, the back of the numbers um but the the experience and the learning that we gained from that was was great i, I want to say what was better was just the motivation um derived from seeing the level of the tahitians for the first time and seeing how much how passionate they are about the sport of va'a and just how big the sport is there um, for those that don't know, pet va'a or paddling there is is like their rugby for us. You know, rugby to us is is va'a to them. Um, and yeah, it was just so awesome to line up against all these top Tahitian teams, so many paddlers, um, and experience it. Um, one story about that trip in particular. Um, and I always hold this memory quite close, was we were testing out canoes to use for the race. And we got to, thanks to EDT VAR, we got to test out a few different canoes. One was full carbon. Um, One was, yeah, there was this one particular canoe though that was all white and it was named Sonic. And just as we were taking it out to test it, um, a guy on a surf ski stops by and he says, Hey, are you using this canoe for the race? You know, questions us. And to be honest, I didn't actually know who it was at the time, but it was actually Lewis Loglin. Um, and for those of you that don't know who Lewis Loglin is, he is a 10 plus time champion of the TI tour. He's a 10 plus time champion of the super idol 
Um, he's a legend in the V6 six man races too, but also a legend in the surf ski world. And he actually built the canoe. I think he designed it and it was his canoe. And he said to us, if you do decide to, if you do decide to use it, this canoe, then I'll, I will follow you around the race. And man, that was awesome. It was like, we had this paddling royalty, um, basically as a coach, as a, as a boat coach, he was on the support boat every day with a microphone telling us what to do, how to do changeovers is properly, you know, all of this info that was so valuable. Um, I look back now, it's just amazing that he did that for us, even would bring us lunch, you know, and one of the best memories I have of him talking to us, we were sitting around the table after day one, I think, and we were all pretty beat up. And he just would describe the type of training that he would do, waking up early hours of the morning um, and get out there and do, you know, hours on the water before anyone even woke up. By the time when people were putting their canoes to go out to train, he was already finished. He'd go home, eat, sleep, and then do the same thing again in the afternoon. And I want to say that he was one of the first to, to do that, to forge that path. I, I mean, there were probably other sports that you could gauge that off, you know, ultra, you know, marathon running training type type way. But I think he was the first to do that in the sport of VAR. Um, and he said, you know, he, he, a lot of the paddlers there, including himself, you know, did that on the, with not a lot of, a lot of money. Like he said, he lived on, um, breadsticks or the french baguettes with uh i think it was corned beef you know or baked beans or something like that you know just for lunch all the basics but um yeah that was a just a little story about lewis loglin helping us out and it's really cool to see that he's actually starting his own coaching at the moment again um in tahiti so big ups to that he spent a bit of time in new zealand too training when he was doing some kayak training um i believe in gisborne and so there's a lot of cool connections that we can make between tahiti and new zealand um and hawaii obviously um we look at tahiti as like the the obviously performance their performance just is super high overall but um a lot of a lot of the development can be traced back to say New Zealand, Hawaii, we all connected. Um, but yeah, so anyway, back to the, the topic of the domino effect. So basically this trip, that trip was amazing. It was tough, had blisters on blisters after the three days of racing. Um, but I came back to New Zealand with a whole new mindset. It opened my eyes to the level of the Tahitians. And I remember coming back, going back to uni and doing, going back to school. And my father called me and, uh, you know, to see how the trip went. And he asked me basically, you know, do, do I want to go back and do another race called the Te Aito, uh, a V1 race, individual race that, like I said in a previous episode, my sister, 
had already competed in this race and my father went with her in 2009. Um, so this is 2013 and, you know, my dad knows of the title. So he asked me, hey, do you want to go? Um, and it was only a, f a few like months or weeks after the Tahiti Nui and I said, sure, you know, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. And um, that led me to competing in my first Te race in Tahiti. That was 2013. And um, I remember placing, I went back and I placed 127th in the Te Um Big ups to Jean Tetohu for kind of starting that era too. He would bring us paddlers in. And that's where I first met my Tahitian family, uh, the Ducey family, Teiva, Suzanne, uh, Manuiva, Mehotea, and all my family um, who have become my, you know, my second family um, over the years. Um, they hosted us from early on and still to this day. So it was cool to have them recently in New Zealand um, too, but, you know, nothing compares to what they've done for me and for a lot of other paddlers here from New Zealand. Um, especially during those TI tour events. So TI, 2013 was the first first time and I placed 127th and it just became an obsession of mine to, to, to keep coming back and I wanted to just get better and better. So I think the next year, 2014, I might have got down to maybe in the 60s and then 2000. Six, I think in the 60s for the TI Tour, but then 30-something for the Super I Tour. And then in 2015, so my third year going to Tahiti to compete in the TI Tour and the Super I Tour, that was the first year I did really well. So the TI Tour, I, I placed 30, 35, but then the Super I Tour, um, I placed 10th. So I placed in the top 10. First time place, placing in the top 10. 2016 was a stagnant year. I came back and I think the best I did was 11th. So I just got kicked out of the top 10. And then 2017, I think the best I did in the super was six, sixth place. So that was the best, best year to date. Um, and then 2018, 2019, I think were top 15 performances. Um, and then obviously COVID hit. So um also during that time during that time i was very fortunate because in 2015 when i did place in the top 10 the super i tour that afternoon um a very renowned coach uh, of a really prestigious team in tahiti came and knocked on the door where i was staying with the duces and that was wilfred Armin, and that night he asked me do you think you can he chucked me a, a booklet of raffle tickets and he says do you think you can sell these and do you want to paddle with paddling connection in the upcoming race um in the catalina crossing in a in about a month's time so it was a month away and i was like sure you know one kind of domino after the after another domino you know things were just kind of falling in my lap, basically. And I said, yeah, came back to New Zealand, sold all my tickets. And a few weeks later, I was on the plane 
to go and race for the first time with pedaling connection in in the Catalina Crossing. And then that led me to more racing because I was not only was I doing the TI tour and the Super I tour, but I was also competing in the Catalina, the Hawaikinui, and all these races leading up to it. So I was spending a lot of time in Tahiti. And um yeah, like I said, it was just a domino effect. And the the influence of competing and training and you know spending a lot of time in Tahiti um, that only helped to benefit my New Zealand like racing and performance with my club team Ahoy Huru Herberts on tour, but also my in, my in my singles. So I credit a lot of my success in the singles um, to my experiences in Tahiti. So like big thank you to Wilfred Amin for bringing me on board um, and all my paddling connection friends. Um, and I will touch on it here. So 2013 was my first premiership win. And then subsequently from then, I think that's when I, you know, started to do really well at the New Zealand Nationals consistently and basically ended up with, you know, 12 um, Premier Men sprint titles uh, between 2013 and now. So that's for both 500 meter and 250 meter. So kind of six years, not necessarily consecutive, but six years um, of of wins in the Premier Men division. So, uh, like I said, I I am very grateful for my experience. Like without the the racing and training in Tahiti, um, it wouldn't have been as easy um, to get those. So. Yeah, um, that's basically the the domino effect. During that time, one of the one of the things that really helped me was Air Tahiti Nui ambassadorship. So I became an ambassador for an airline, and I so at one point I was getting free return tickets to Tahiti. So I was flying there, you know, sometimes six times a year. Um, to do all sorts of races. And sometimes I was staying, you know, month or month, two months. Um, but like I said, it was good because it was during the time that I was doing my my bachelor's degree and then my master's degree. So um, it was good timing for me because I was studying and subsequently traveling the world. And just, it was, it was a, an amazing experience. 99% of my trips have been paddling associated and therefore without paddling, I never would have been able to experience the, the experiences that I have and that I continue to experience now. So I'm, I'm, I'm forever grateful. You know, I think I, I'd like to say that I've traveled more than I would have if I was a competitive kayak sprinter you know, um, who travels every four years to, to an Olympics, obviously they go to world champs and stuff, but you know, the amount of racing that you can do on a, on a world circuit in the world of outriggers, yeah, it's, it can keep you going year round. And, um, 
Yeah, so although I did start paddling from a young age, seven years old, 2013 was the was the beginning of the serious training and racing all year round. Um, like because not only was our nationals in January, but the ITOR was in July, and then the whole Aikanui was in November. So like by the time you finish a race, you're preparing for the next. And so, yeah, that's basically it for this episode. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I think the next episode, I'm going to dive into my master's degree research. I think that'll be a good topic um, because that was going on in the background whilst I was out paddling and doing all these amazing races. So. Stay tuned for that. Kia ora. Thank you for listening to the Train Like a King podcast. Check out trainlikeaking.com for training plans, coaching opportunities, or even merchandise. Catch you on the next episode.